0: The legal views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute or contain legal advice. How's it going everybody? Welcome to the show! You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. Happy Easter. I'm joined by my co-host, Dave. How's it going, Dave?
1: Star Wars? Oh, God, no, that's
0: right. Oh, no. No, no, not, not this week, Dave. Come on. We have lots of stuff to talk about, and it's Easter, and there are so many other topics. We don't need to bring up the movie preview that just came out.
1: Star Wars. No
0: God. I know. I, I don't need this to be useless uh, week. S- S- Star, Wars. <laughs> Star Wars. Star Wars. Star Wars. Star oh. Wars. I thought we were only. No. I thought we were only. We had a truce going that you were only going to be annoying Star Wars guy who does nothing and contributes nothing to this show, unless the except for the phrase Star Wars when the movies come out, not just when trailers come out.
1: Your, your line is supposed to be. So, Dave, have you seen any good trailers lately?
0: So, David, have you seen any good trailers lately? Star Wars. Oh, great. Yes, Last Jedi. Did you like the trailer? Since we're going to talk about that instead of music business, apparently. Yes. It was good?
1: Yes. Star Wars. Yeah, indeed. Did you like it? I thought it was all right. Fuck you. (laughs) Oh I didn't even plan on saying that; it just came out naturally. It's just visceral. Yes.
0: I mean, like you know, they're they're all kind of get nice the hell in out of way. my show. Did it really, go? Did it really get you? And like, this is my house. Did it really get to you? in Mark, yes, Hammel I was cried. Like, this is the, the last Jedi. Or
1: whatever he that, said, that was my Mark no. Hamill impression. It is time for the Jedi to end. There's a lot of speculation based on that. People think, "Oh, is Luke going to the dark side or something like that?" I don't. I didn't take it as some sort of malevolent thing. I'm sort of taking it as it's time for this for this get off this merry-go-round of Jedi and Sith, and maybe it's time for this part this this thousand-year-old saga uh, and battle and war to just come to an end for all of it to. Go. I
0: read some theories that suggest that it was sort of like a misdirection. Like they just took that line from the beginning of the movie and it's
1: actually not The Last Jedi, but he was just like really despondent in that one scene. Maybe, who knows? But I don't read the theories. I, 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 I for these past two films, Episode 7 and Rogue One, I read nothing. I don't, there's too much information. It's not like before we were born, When do you have to like go dig into a magazine or something like that? I want a pure viewing experience. When I'm in the theater for the first time. Okay, I placated you. I gave
0: you one thing. I contributed to your Star Wars thing. Now, you can reach out to the Break the Business podcast by Star At rate... No. You can rate, review, and subscribe to the Break the Business podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play. Please send us some great reviews. It helps us SoundCloud? move the podcast like, forward. Wait, is that like a city in the clouds, like Bespin? No, it's not like Cloud City. It's like SoundCloud. There's no mining colony on SoundCloud. There's no Tabana gas platform? No. You can also contact the Break the Business podcast, not at a Star Wars email address, but at breakthebusiness and gmail.com. You can send us show questions. You can propose show topics to us. We actually have a great question that we're going to answer this week. You can week.
1: ask about the show that the Cantina Band puts on it most nicely. Is that what you want? No, no, no. I want music business
0: questions and pop culture questions, not just Star Wars. That's what they can do when they email us. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ryan K A I R. Where can they follow you, Dave? I'm guessing it's Star Wars
1: related. No, it's at Hamill himself.
0: <laughs> He's a good follow.
1: He's a great follow at Hamill himself. All right, good. I fed you. I
0: fed you. Now we're back. I fed you. You did feed me. Literally. Actually. You did. You brought donuts this week. Yeah. I was so excited and, you know, we got them sitting on the table. We tweeted them out. They're delicious donuts. You didn't just they bring are. in some, like, you know, monochrome crispy cream donuts. You went, like, filling and fruit covering and these and, like, all kinds of, like, yeah. sprinkles and stuff. You know yeah. how to donut, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. They were good, right? They were delicious. How are you feeling? I feel very good. I have mm. a sugar high now. I feel good. you feel a little tired yet?
1: No. Should I? Should I feel tired? You're not needed on this show, Ryan. It's Star Wars. <laughs> and he's dead alright folks now the show can really begin we can finally do this we've been tolerating this for 81 episodes and uh, wait he's still alive uh, wait god no, damn it god, zombie no,
0: I, I, we have a listener emailed. no you have to let me die zombie die there's so much poison
1: oh god Whew, that was close oh wait his wife's gonna find his body Oh, shoot. How do I get out of this? Everyone knows I'm here. I probably should stop recording, too. I mean, I did just kill a man on air. Well, it's not live. It's a podcast. Of course, it'd be weird for me to actually release this and not unedited. It's sort of a trail to find me. Wow, this is heavy. Oh, by the way, um, Bree Noble is our guest today, a music business consultant and founder of the online platform Women of Substance. God, there's so much blood. Well, I guess I'll just give him the antidote. All right, okay someone <laughs> throw it at his face uh, uh, what, what the hell was that
0: nothing why do I taste blood uh, no reason okay well oh listener email question I'm excited. oh yeah it. so we we got a listener email you can email us at break the and all right yeah you can email us at break the business at gmail.com hey there was a resurrection today <laughs> <laughs> you can email us at break the business at gmail.com the, the question is a great one from at Freddie Phillips. He writes as follows. Love the podcast. That's a great email. Yeah, no, it's a solid, I, I'd say one of the best we've ever gotten. I'm,
1: yeah. yeah just,
0: that yeah. was... Keep them coming,
1: listeners. Yeah. Oh, That's just oh, amazing. Oh, wait,
0: sorry. I, I, I didn't scroll down.
1: Oh, there's more text? Ah, okay. Don't you hate it when someone writes an email, ah. hits enter 10 times, and then continues? No, I know. Yeah. Just, I right.
0: Love the podcast. Does it matter if you register copyright before or after the songs are mastered? That's a great question. That's a great question. That's a great question. And first of all, good on you, at Freddy Phillips, for understanding the importance of registering a copyright. We've talked about this on the podcast before. Even though you have a copyright from the moment you actually create the work, or as the legal people call it, fixate a work onto a tangible medium of expression, you know, write it down on a sheet of paper, record it into a tape recorder, what have you it's still very important to register a copyright. There are certain legal rights that you don't get unless you register your copyrights, and it's so easy to do. So good on you for knowing that. Second, I'm going to infer from the email from by the word... When you say mastered, I think you're saying... Master! Sorry, go ahead. I just force a habit. I, I thought this was a Star Wars Day, not a Metallica Day. I'm sorry, you just... That's a call and response. Got it. It's automatic. Okay. So I'm going to infer that by the word... Master, you meant recorded. And so, this is a good question. And let's start with this. As we've st- I talked about before, a recorded song has two copyrights. So, you have the recording itself, which is its own copyright, and the original song that that recording was based on. Two different copyrights. And they can be owned by different people, such as if you wrote a song and then somebody else covered your song. Two mm-hmm. copyrights. So, the question of whether you should register your copyright before or after you record a song depends on this. Generally, if you wrote the song but you intend for others to record it and not you, like let's say you're a songwriter, you're not somebody who records songs. Let's say
1: you work for Jive Records in the nineties. That's right, you're in one
0: of those like songwriting shops. Hey, there's yeah. still people like if you're Josh Keir, the guy we talked about who wrote Need You Now, you know, you're not a singer, but you, you write songs. If you're that kind of person, then you do want to register your work before the song is recorded. You want to make sure your rights are protected there so that when other people record your music, you have a solid registered copyright. Now, that's, but that's more of a limited case because most of the artists we deal with, they write their own songs and record their own songs. So if you're one of those people, if you wrote the song and you intend to record the song that you wrote fairly soon after writing it, you know, maybe you're writing and recording it at the same time or you're going to record it very soon. Then you can wait until after you record the song. And here's why. When you register your copyright, the Copyright Office allows you to use one form, the SR form, to register both your sound recording copyright and the original musical composition copyright, as long as the copyright claimant for both works are the same person. So if you wrote the song Mm -hmm. and you own the song and you're going to own the recording, you can do it all in one form after you record the song. Moreover you can use the sound recording as the specimen because you have to actually send them the work that you're going to copyright. You can send the sound recording as the specimen to cover both copyrights. So you don't have to send in sheet music or anything like that to get your musical composition copyright. So it makes it a lot easier. So to answer your question, listener, if you write and record your own, if you wrote and record the song yourself and you own it, then you can wait until after you recorded the song. If you are going to have somebody else record your song, and then you want to register it before the song is recorded.
1: Do you think Millie Vanilli had a copyright? On what? Exactly. Did those two dudes have a copyright on anything? Well, they didn't write the song Blame It on the Rain. I don't think they wrote any of their songs.
0: I don't think they did anything. I wonder if any of the listeners know who Millie Vanilli is. Think they, they have be a copyright the on the hair?
1: <laughs> on the dread things. Were those even dreads? They were dreads, weren't they? I don't know. Or did they just have long hair? Those tubular, but they were really flowy. Are we gonna have to look this up? Let me all right. The state of Millie vanilli dreads. Millie how do you spell Millie? M M-I-L-L-I. I L L I. It... Yeah. Isn't it yeah? M-I-L-L-I-V-A-N-I-R-L-I. Right. Let's see what we got here.
0: Oh no, those are most definitely dreads. Okay. They're not long dread. They're not the big thick dreads. Right. But
1: th- there's there's serious dread. No, but they're the long though, because they're they go down like past the shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. They... yeah, yeah. yeah. So dreads they're... can be long, right? Yeah, no, yeah. yeah they... You said they're not long. No, uh, sorry. My apologies. I, I,
0: I want to make sure I get my Millie Vanilli hair trivia right. They're not thick. Star Wars: The Last
1: thick. Jedi comes out in December, and I think I speak for everyone when I say we can't. This can't get here soon enough. <laughs> eight months. Eight months. They, that seems like a really long time
0: to put a trailer out ahead of time. And I get that it's Star Wars and it's an event, but I mean, don't you get frustrated like seeing this great trailer and then being like, "Oh, great! I got to wait eight months to see what this trailer is all about."
1: I, I mean, well. I have other Star Wars news, unless you want no, me to go into it right now. No, no, We can go into it right no, now. No, save it for the third block. Oh, hold on a second. It. There's another donut here, Ryan. I'm
0: on to you. What? I'm not going to, like, oh, well, I mean, what are the odds you poisoned all of them, right? Hang on. Let me just. That's
1: right. I had them, too. That's
0: right. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like you only poisoned mine. Mm.
1: Mm. That's really good. <laughs> he fell for it twice. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Oh, shit.
0: Oh, sorry,
1: you had more. You had more after that. You're supposed to be silent, and the fact is that we're both now like dead and knocked out. And then there will just be a long extended silence. yes. You want to try it again? No, because you suck. I'll tell you who sucks.
0: You, oh uh, no, no. I mean, I might suck, but this guy really oh, sucks. Oh, that's right.
1: Wait, this is a good lead in. Hey, hey, Ryan, you suck. Oh, you suck. i a bitch. See, so you suck. Hey, Ryan, you suck. You suck. No, 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 it. What? What, totally... are, what are we doing? Never mind. What are we doing? You you allegedly had like how many years of drama and theater training?
0: You think I? You think I was in like the Groundlings? I you know I'm not an improv person, and nor do I know what's going on in your head when you want to do a particular. Oh wait, scene. no wait, That's
1: right. You were no, you were in a public school theater program. Oh, well. That explains your disdain for them. Now, you're you're not like oh, I should have trained at the footlights at Oxford with the rest of Monty Python. They went to Oxford. Oxford, Cambridge, yeah. They're right. smart over there. Yeah. The Brits
0: are better than us. Can yes. I please get to the second story? Yes! Okay. We got some entertainment law news. Why did you
1: touch me? You killed and people. The means to an end. You started a mess. I caused the revolution.
0: You betrayed the, betray the law! Law!
1: This guy did legitimately betray yes, the law. Yes, he did.
0: This, this is so poignant. Um, sorry, i got to finish chewing the dough. Yeah,
1: by the way, he broke the number one rule of podcasting. Don't eat on it. Mm. Everyone hates it.
0: God, it's so good, though. Everyone hates that sound. Dunkin' Donuts really knows how to put a donut together. I mean,
1: mmm. Yeah. As if you didn't know that. Okay. All right, anyway, Alanis Morissette's From former, Billboard yeah. Magazine.
0: Back in January of this year, Jonathan Schwartz, the former business manager, pled guilty to criminal charges stemming from embezzling from his superstar clients, including Alanis Morissette. He will be sentenced on May 3rd. On April 11th, earlier this week,
1: Schwartz. I guess last week, because it's Sunday now. That was a weird syntax you created there. We sent it on April on April on May third on April eleventh. I know because you didn't let me finish the sentence. No, you you just stunk out. On it.
0: April eleventh, Schwartz wrote a column for Billboard magazine explaining his actions. Excuse me. <laughs> from the article entitled "I Stole from Alanis Morissette and Other Clients and I'm Sorry," <laughs> Schwartz attributes his stealing over seven million dollars from his musician clients to an untreated gambling addiction. Quote. I lived a double life since no one other than my bookie knew that I had
1: this dark side. <laughs> what? 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 I, I find that a funny sentence. No one other than my bookie knew about the I know, gambling I that's the edition. closest
0: person in his life.
1: And I thought I could trust him, but he seemed really, he never seemed to want me to get treatment. <laughs> he just wanted me to keep <laughs> going. I, hey. I, I hey. kept asking if I should go. Wait, wait, wait what was this guy's name? Uh... Jonathan Schwartz. Jonathan Schwartz. Like, hey, Schwartzy, you know, I think these these, these 2008 Lions are due for a
0: win. Uh, Oh, yeah? You think so? Uh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I think Kitna just got injured and you know, a lot of people are saying they might go 0-16 this year. Oh,
1: no, 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 no. Trust me, they're all, they're gonna be on a
0: run. Are you sure? Like, I mean, because I got Alanis' jagged little pill money here, and I
1: really shouldn't spend it unless this thing is a lead pipe lock. Trust me, this is the NFL. The season doesn't even begin till game forty seven. Is that oh well in that case, I mean, yeah, here, here, here's the Here's
0: the big pile of Alanis Morissette money, because, I mean, if you're telling me it's a lock, then, you know, I'd be crazy not to spend her money.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, you're a manager, right? You bet. You don't need legs to do that, right?
0: Well, no, yeah, I suppose not. I mean, yeah.
1: Okay, good. Just checking for later.
0: (laughs) We're mocking a gambling addiction. Uh, Um, So, well, you didn't even let me, like, so that was only one sentence. I have a whole paragraph here of of him explaining, stealing from all these musicians, and you're already getting comedy gold out of it. So, uh, only as Bookie knew about his dark side. (laughs) At first, I borrowed—it's actually in quotes—borrowed. Oh. <laughs> I mean, doesn't that sound like bookie talk right there? I'm just going to yeah. borrow it. Yeah. I borrowed a little from clients with the hopes that I would pay them back if I won that night's bet. That snowballed, and as I kept losing, I kept stealing. I kept telling myself that I just needed one lucky break, and I'll pay them back. I'll pay them all back. I added that last part. That lucky break never came, Thankfully. I say, thankfully, because when I was finally caught, a bright spotlight shined on my deplorable conduct. I could no longer hide any longer and hit rock bottom. By seeing how pathetic I had become, I finally got the courage to th- ask for help. Well, thank goodness. You know, thank you know, this it turned out to be a happy ending. Granted, it would have been demonstrably happier had he come to this conclusion
1: before he robbed Morris out of seven million dollars. But yeah. All right. Good for you. I love that his, the whole thing is like, and when he started it, I had hoped I would win to pay them back. So already, right away, he knows he's screwed. Yeah, it's funny. There's no like high at first, like oh, forget it, it doesn't matter. It's he's already like worried about it. Yeah, that's what, But he still does it anyway. It's funny.
0: Well, I think he said somewhere in the article that he uh, says the addiction part, right? That he it, like the winning didn't even make him happy. It was just the losing that crushed him, which I think is that sounds like a gambling addict if I've heard one. Um, but isn't that supposed to be a high? At some point, well, but I think it's like with any addiction, where at first, like it makes you feel good, but then you get so addicted that you just need the addiction to not feel bad. Right. Should we do some show research on this? Yeah, probably. Yeah, that would have been responsible of us.
1: No, no, no. I mean research. Oh, I see. Oh, like like, one of us, like we, we, one of us is a control, and and, like sort of gambles every now and then, and one of us like has to go in all in.
0: So which one would be the one that ruins his life?
1: Well, you've got more. You've got more to start with. You have a house, and that's always funnier if you lose a house.
0: I mean, that is like every sitcom has at least one episode where the main character bets a house in an Indian no, casino yeah. or something.
1: Yeah, and you've got, you got a dog and a wife and a house. It's definitely funnier for you to go full hog on it.
0: Well, we, we do—not only is it great to like make light of gambling addiction, of course, but we also want to be as funny as we can for our listeners. So, I mean, I'd yes. be crazy not to do this. Exactly. <laughs> so You're losing money, by not? I mean, and look, I'm going to say this. I mean, it took all the energy in the world for me not to make him the music jerk of the week and make that the segment because, I mean, I guess this, you know, this is a sickness, but, yeah, th- but he did, he, he stole, he did steal. And, you know, and, and we say this all the time in criminal law, like the addiction, like when, when, when an addiction causes criminal behavior, you're still culpable because you made the decision to go down that path and not seek help.
1: Yeah, he was perfectly within competent within his faculties. Yeah, and he even said he knew what he was doing was wrong. Yeah, so I mean, at that point, it's like, wow, no. you have no defense. And and I'll say this: the timing is suspicious because he's due to
0: be sentenced next month. Well, this is and his... now we get this billboard article saying that I've seen the light.
1: No, I'm so sorry for this gambling addiction. That's an appeal for clemency. That's you know oh. that we know. I mean, who, if it's who knows if his attorney said, hey man, we wanted a good idea here. Let's do a public mea culpa. I mean, if you were advising him, that would be your move, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, but don't just save it for the uh, the courtroom. Actually,
0: put it out there. Yeah, put it out on the pages of Billboard. So another great thing about this story that has you know nothing to do with the gambling addiction, but I think is interesting, is I think this story has forced news writers all over the country to have to reteach themselves how to spell Alanis Morissette's last name. Do you want to take a crack at
1: it? Oh, just off the cuff? Yeah. Oh, damn it. Okay. Morissette, M. See, funny if went. Eh, eh, I uh, I missed it. Damn it. M. O. R. I. S. E. T. T. E.
0: Oh, so close! Oh man, and and I, I felt so good when you knew that there was only one R.
1: It's two S's. It's two S's. Like Mississippi.
0: One R, two S, hmm. two T's. I thought you were gonna get it. Like when you had when you said M O R I, I was huh. so happy for you. And then
1: uh oh, forgot about that second S.
0: Man. That, it, it gets the best of us. Yeah. Well, so how much do today's artists envy the artists from earlier eras such that like somebody like Alanis Morissette can have millions of dollars stolen from her and she still has millions of dollars? Like we don't artists don't get to do that anymore.
1: Well, that Dave Coulier money just keeps on I'm rolling in.
0: You. But I feel like if mo- most of today's, even the superstar artists, if they lost seven million dollars, they'd have zero dollars left, or they'd have negative three million dollars yeah. left. I mean, that's oh,
1: oh it's a do any of you listeners out there have seven million dollars? Just write us, let us know. Maybe send it to us. Yeah, to, to fund my newfound
0: gambling addiction.
1: Oh, oh, that's how we engender show participation, Ryan. Yes, ah. lead to Ryan's downfall and get a Twitter mention. Ah. <laughs> It's gonna cost you seven million dollars. But hey, it's Winter Mention. So we're
0: having good fun here. We're getting a lot of good comedy material out of this. Do, do I trans like, can I transition into some like teachable moments out of this or is that gonna ruin it?
1: You mean don't steal?
0: Well, I mean uh, like, but this is this is a podcast for the artists. So I wanna help the artists not get stolen. Oh, okay. From. Well, yes, don't, yes well, what, don't steal. Let's let's go start yeah. with that. And don't gamble excessively.
1: Two Don't hire a sleazeball manager. Yeah. Well, so... Oh, you're probably going to want to elaborate. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, that that pretty much gets it. But a couple lessons from this. One is with any agreement that you have with a manager, it obviously has to be in writing. We've talked about this before. Mm -hmm. Because if you have an agreement with somebody, whether it's a manager, business manager, or an attorney, anybody who handles your money as you might choose to do with somebody who manages your career, because maybe you're not you know, you don't, you're not great with handling money or you just want to farm that out to somebody else, you need to make sure that there are strong accounting provisions and audit rights in your agreement. So what do we mean by accounting? Your contract has to require that manager give you regular statements documenting where every penny is going. It sh- you have to be able to see the bank balance and know where every cent is going, have every transaction accounted for, and that you can look at that and, that, and, and you know, as an attorney, you're familiar with this particular piece, Dave. Mm-hmm. That manager should also be keeping your funds in a separate bank account. Oh, yes. No commingling with other clients and no commingling with your personal funds.
1: No, yep. Those are big no-no's. Remember, folks, you're running a business and you're the CEO, not the manager. That's right. This is your business. You hiring someone to work for you. You don't work for them. You don't want to get into a straight out of Compton situation. And you have Ice Cube. It's like, damn, who works for who, Jerry. I love how every, when, when we do any corrupt manager story on this
0: podcast, you, your go to is always straight out of Compton. Paul G. My, it's a great movie. Like, much how I keep coming back to referencing CPAC over and over on this show, which I don't understand because I'm not particularly conservative, you, you love Straight Out of Compton.
1: Wow. What? So you're CPAC, I'm straight out of Compton. Yeah. Doesn't that say a lot about us, who we are as people? Now, your facial tones match CPAC, mine doesn't, the straight out of Compton part. <laughs> yes, that's it. But I did live in LA. That's true for a year, for... so I was closer to that scene than you were. So I get it more. Well, no, and 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 that that year that you were in LA was
0: the first year of your life. So you're actually much closer in time to that era.
1: Yeah, man, the streets I mean, LA in the eighties. That was oh, my god. Oh, dude, yeah, right there by Beverly Hills. I mean, like, kind of it? like. Uh, was it Century City area the mean streets Wilshire Boulevard dude watch out Nakatomi Plaza man some shit happened there (laughs) I'm serious did did you not know about this of the the terrorist incident at Nakatomi Plaza pretty sure that was just
0: a work of fiction
1: wow dude CPAC is infecting your mind all this fake news stuff I'm your white knight All right. so (laughs) okay Ellis <laughs> Hans
0: Bubby All right. So the next piece of this, so we got the accounting piece. And here's the more important piece. So you gotta know where every dollar is going. You get regular accounting statements. I don't know Alanis Morissette personally, but I'm guessing. Oh, you don't? Yeah, alright. You don't? I'll probably have her on the show to have her, you know, yelling at her manager <laughs> right now. That'd be great if this is that's dropped it on her. I am guessing <laughs> that part of what happened here is that she just didn't really know what he was doing with her money, and he just sort of said, No, don't worry, I got it, trust me. But if she had been getting regular accounting statements, you know, it'd be like, hey, I, I see a transaction here, you know, $300,000 to Caesar's Palace. Uh,
1: I, I, I've got uh, $40,000 under uh, sure thing. <laughs> Let's see. I've got $260,000 on, oh my God, please, please, please.
0: <laughs> I don't want to do another one because. Mine's not going to be as funny as yours. I was going to do something like, oh, what's 15 grand on just come on seven? But yeah, yours is funny, so we'll stop on that one. In addition to accounting, you also want your contract to have audit rights. And what we mean by that is at least once a year, you need in your contract to have the right to have an independent third party CPA, somebody not even remotely affiliated with your guy handling your money. Let that firm audit the manager's books for your career. And those audit rights have to have serious teeth. In other words, the manager has to give up all the books, all the receipts, all the correct records, and those have to be scrupulously kept. If there is any discrepancy, even the smallest significant discrepancy in the money, if there's any hint of fraud, or if any document is not turned over or is not kept in immaculate condition, then the contract should require that the manager is on the hook for the cost of the audit And by the way, if you start to get any hint that the manager is either under accounting for you or not scrupulously keeping books, then you fire that manager. Yeah, I don't care how good they are. If you're hiring them to handle their money, they have to be really good at handling your money. This is not something where you want to have somebody playing fast and loose. And look, it's entirely perfectly fair that the person you choose to manage your career might be separate from the person who's handling your money, because that person might make good strategic decisions for mm-hmm. you, but you don't trust them with the cash, and then you should hire a separate business manager or even an accounting
1: firm. Yeah. Now, don't be fooled, folks. Don't like all of a sudden your manager recommends an accountant, and it's in an office right next to his, and it's a guy that looks especially like him, except this guy's got a mustache. <laughs> and you want to think something's off, but the mustache really just engenders trust. As it usually does. Yes. <laughs> You know, I'd say, be, be careful about that. Oh, I just
0: realized, Dave, we did that thing that we do on this podcast sometimes. Oh, I just
1: realized it we, too. Yeah, We yep, did not yep. uh, mention the, the guests. Oh. So here's the thing. Do you want to do a funny little experiment? What? Do you want to like somehow find an edit point in the beginning, throw it in there, leave this in. Oh, okay. So then when they hear it, they come back to like, oh my God, they did it.
0: Oh, so it's like it's like an Easter egg, but in the past. So when they hear it, the first on the first go, they around, don't know be anything, like, it's like, just a regular weird. thing. Oh, yeah, I, I like that. But anyway, our guest, so we're gonna do that, we're gonna do that, yes, and we'll see if the listeners can catch it. I mean, but, they
1: will obviously because it's in here. Well, but let's see if they catch it on the first pass. Oh, 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 are you gonna try to like edit it poorly to make it so I'm going to try to edit it well? Are you it's going like, to is turn it, out it's gonna be like star? And our guest today is Brie Noble Wars, <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: our guest this week. Music business coach and founder of the radio platform Women of Substance, Brie Noble. She's great. She's also the host of the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast. We're going to talk to her about house concerts because I want to pick up on what we were talking about last week with Jessica, the Elossiraptor Elossary, and uh, talk about empowering women in music, busting some industry myths. I'm so excited to talk to her. She writes great articles, and she's going to be a great person for you all to listen to and follow on Twitter if you're an indie artist, especially if you're a woman but really, anybody can benefit from her knowledge. So she's coming up in the next segment on the Break the Business podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. Shameless plug time. My new book, Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry, is now available in paperback and an ebook. The book talks about how you can be your own boss in your music career and take control of your content creation, promotion, distribution, and fundraising. Get your copy on Amazon by searching Break the Business. It's a nice read for musicians and the people who love them. That's Break the Business, declaring your independence and achieving true success in the music industry. Thanks very much for your support. Welcome back to the Break the Business Podcast. She is a musician, music business coach, and radio host based out of Oakhurst, California. She is the founder of Women of Substance, an online radio platform which promotes female musicians. She also hosts Female Entrepreneur Musician, a podcast that features interviews with successful female indie artists and industry figures. You can find out more about these properties and her many online music business course offerings by visiting www.breenoble.com. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Bree Noble is on the Break the Business podcast. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you. It's, I'm so excited to be here.
0: Yes. So you are a music business coach, you make music, and you're a radio host, but you got your start Interestingly enough, on the financial side of the entertainment business, can you give us some of the highlights of your career journey? How on earth did you get from where you were to where you are
2: now? Yeah, I'm kind of weird that way. Like being someone that is a musician and a creative and also working in the finance industry is a little strange, but um, I I guess it was, I mean, I always loved, loved numbers, but I think it was just my... Fear actually of not knowing how to actually have a career in music after I left school that caused me to double major in business. And I realized I enjoyed accounting, and you know, there was something cathartic about it when you actually made everything balance. So that was kind of where I came up with that part of my career. And then, you know, as I had suspected, like once I left school, I felt completely lost as far as figuring out a music career, and I knew I could always fall back on business and finance. And so I went into that. And after a few years, I lucked out and I was able to become the director of finance at an opera company in Orange County, California. And I worked there for several years. So it was great because I got to work around creatives. I got to work in music, but you know, the whole time I was itching to do my own music thing, but finance was paying the bills.
0: Yeah. So when you eventually did make that transition into music and even started making some of your own music, did the background in numbers sort of help you out, help you with a lot of those business aspects of a music career?
2: You know, you would, it's funny. You would think so. But what I what I realize now is that for some reason and what I see in a lot of artists I work with. Once I started doing music and being a creative, like all of that went out the window. Like really? I was working with millions of dollars of budgets and, you know, and and being very precise and balancing everything and keeping track of everything at work. But then once I started becoming an artist, I didn't think that way at all. Like somehow I didn't marry them together until later when I realized, you know, I need to think about this music thing as a business and not just a hobby or you know, just a creative thing. And that's number one, when everything changed. And then number two, that was kind of where I came up with my platform now of being a female entrepreneur musician, because we really do need to think of ourselves as a business. So over
0: time, you were eventually able to bridge those two parts of your life together.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was really necessary in order for me to to actually create a music career and not just be like playing around, you know? So
0: yeah. And after you crafted that music career, you did two things that as somebody who roots for indie artists to succeed, I truly appreciate. One was you went into coaching and you helped the next generation of indie artists. And the other thing you did was you went onto the media side and became a radio host and, um, one and one of your radio properties is the Female Entrepreneur Musician podcast that I discussed in your intro. And on your most recent episode of this podcast, you talked about, and of course the, the uh, timing on this is great, you talked about house concerts, which is something we brought up on the most recent episode of my podcast when we interviewed Jessica Lossary. Um, and you talked about house concerts and how those particular kinds of concerts can be a great way for indie artists to perform live. So, let me ask this you the similar question that I asked Jessica last week. What are some of the advantages to performing house concerts for indie artists uh, as opposed to performing in a more traditional venue?
2: Well, I think there's a lot of benefits, but one of them is that there's no barrier to entry. Like, you don't have to have any particular, you know, performances under your belt or anything, or be able to prove to venues that you have this many followers on Twitter or, you know, this many people on your email list in their area. Like you can just go and find a fan of your music, say, Hey, would you be willing to have some of your friends over to your house and host this house concert? And like, that's literally the start of it. You know, it's not like, okay, how do I position myself with this venue owner that they're going to want to have me? And, you know, and then the other thing is when you're at a house concert, you get to keep all the money. You don't have to split it with any other artists, you don't have to split it with the venue you don't have to you know have a like ex- be expected to bring a certain number of people usually the host is in charge of bringing the people because they want to invite their friends and it's just a cool experience that they can give to their friends um so that's just a few and the, and the the really big one i think is that you are so up close and personal with your fans you can really develop a relationship with them and you know bring them along that fan journey to becoming super fans because It's going to be very memorable for them to be that close to you, be able to talk to you, instead of when they go to a venue and you're just like one of a bunch of other artists that they might see that night or they're distracted by other things going on.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up because one of the things that Jessica last week talked about was she would, before she even performed at a house concert, she would spend about an hour just hanging out with her fans and having food with them, having drinks with them, just sort of. Commiserating, And that by the end of the show, she had always picked up three or four more super fans. And then those would become the next round of house concerts for her the next time she went to go on tour. It's a it's a cool way to build a tribe.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, artists they need to be prepared for that. Like expect that people are going to then want to turn around and host other house concerts. So make sure you've got some kind of flyers or at least get them on your email list and be able to contact them to suggest it as an option for them.
0: Yeah. And now, all right, so I know you're a music business coach and so it's always mean to ask a music business coach for free advice, but I want to pose this hypothetical to you. (laughs) All right. I'm a indie artist And I'm coming to you, I just read your article about how awesome house concerts are, and the question I pose is, I'm intrigued by this idea of house concerts, I want to add this to being something that I do in my career, what's the best way to get started to kind of set that in motion for myself?
2: Well, there's several things you can do. I mean, some of the people that come to me, they're really nervous about it, and I say, well, for the first concert, why don't you just host one at your own house, and ask one of your local fans to be the host. And, you know, so they can run it, they can be the host, they can introduce you all that stuff, but you don't have to worry about all the other logistics of dealing with someone else's house and, you know, and just, just try it out, see how you feel about the whole experience. And then after that, you've kind of gotten your feet wet Then, you know, go out to one of those friends that came to the show now that they've experienced what it would be like and encourage them to invite their friends to a party at their own house or a house concert at their own house. You can also, of course, if you have any people on your email list, you can always contact them and, you know, remind them like this is basically a free service that you're offering to them if they'd be willing to host you at their home. So, you know, it's always depends on whether you already have fans. Um, And another thing you can do is you can, you know, maybe do a Facebook live and, you know, do one song that like you would do at a house concert in your own living room and be like, hey, if you enjoyed this and you'd like to have this in your house, you know, contact me at this email or however you want them to contact you.
0: So what's the best way to usually handle the financial piece of it? So how would the how would the money get structured? uh, Dio tell the host to impose a a cover charge that you set. do you get the money from the host and the host charges all of his or her friends? Do you make it a donation thing? How, how would you set that up? Usually
2: I'm big on donation because you want to let them experience it first before they decide how much it's worth to them. Because I can almost, you know, almost guarantee that they're going to value it higher than you would have told them to pay, you know, if you set a ticket price or even if you say suggested donation because they're having such an amazing experience, having such, you know, close proximity to you and just like a unique experience. I mean, I've, you don't want to tell people, you know, this is worth 10 or $20 because that's what they'll pay. You want to leave it up to them because then there's always a chance to them it's worth a lot more or to them money is worth a lot less to them. Cause I've had people put a hundred dollar bill in there when, you know, I didn't ever say any amount and then maybe somebody else paid zero, but that other person paid a hundred.
0: Well, sure. And by the end of the night, the people have three or four drinks in them. (laughs) Right. There you go.
2: That's it. I
0: I knew what you were getting at. I was just (laughs) reading between the lines. I got you. (laughs) You dedicate much of your broadcasting work, Bree, to shining a light on and empowering female indie musicians. And we're big fans of that around here. Can you talk about what some of the unique challenges that women indie artists encounter in the music industry that people like men, for example, might not fully appreciate?
2: I think, I think people just underestimate women. I've had, you know, many of the people in my community have told me stories that just like make me raise my eyebrows. I can't believe it. Like they, you know, they're at a venue and they're getting ready for a show And people will walk up to them and say, and like assume that they're like the girlfriend of the band, you know, of one of the band members, like they would never just assume that they are the lead singer or the lead guitar player. Um, And, you know, they just have experienced a lot of discrimination that way, or just assuming that they couldn't be the person that people are coming to see. And, you know, plus I, I, the reason I started my radio station was that when I would turn on the radio, I'd be like, how come 80 to 90% of what I'm hearing is male. And then I'd go out and look at places where indie artists are being featured and 80% of them were male. And so I was scratching my head. Like, is this because there are actually more male artists or because, females feel more uncomfortable putting themselves out there or is it just because there's like this idea maybe, or this uncomfortableness on the part of the women that, you know, people aren't going to accept them because they're not beautiful. They're not gorgeous. They're not, you know, 18 or 22 or whatever, you know, that's always a hard thing for women, I think, because sometimes it's so focused on how you look. So when
0: you're counseling female artists, what what sort of advice do you give to them? What do you say to them to help them overcome those barriers and find their voice in an industry that seems to be so hell-bent on silencing them?
2: Well, I always just tell them to get get a community. I mean, that's one of the reasons that I created the community that I have. So I have, I have a paid membership, but I also have a free community on Facebook for female artists because I think that there is safety in numbers and there is power in numbers. Mm. And I think many of them have been burned and just to have a safe place where they can talk about these things. And I'm very, very big on, we're not going to be negative. We're not going to, you know, have a pity party. Like the point is to, you know, let's work through these issues we've dealt with and then let's come out stronger and know how to respond to them. When somebody says something to you next time, you're going to say this instead, instead of shrinking into the background. And, you know, I have to call out um, Ari Herstand wrote an article recently um, called Attention Creepy Men of the Music Industry or something like that. I love Ari. We've had him on the podcast a couple
0: of times. Yeah.
2: Oh, I was like, thank you for that coming (laughs) from a man. I really appreciated it. And I know many of my audience appreciated it as well.
0: Yeah, you 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 might also enjoy the writings of uh, Rory Kelly. She talks a lot about these issues, and you know she, her her insights always so on point. And to echo something that you said previously, she's told me when we've had her on this podcast that you know exactly what you said. Whenever she goes to a venue, the booker or the people there always assume that she's either the lead singer who doesn't play an instrument, or she's just some guy in the band's girlfriend.
2: Uh huh. Yeah. Oh yeah. I know Rory from um, from Go Girls. She's great.
0: Yeah. Um, one of my favorite articles on your website, uh, Brenoble.com, that I have just been coming back to over and over in the past week and in my own blog reading is your article, How the Music Industry Works and the Lies Artists Believe. Great title, first of all. <laughs> Thank uh, you. What, in your view, is the most pervasive lie fed to artists about the music business?
2: I actually think the, there's so many, (laughs) the most pervasive in my experience with the artists I work with is, is the age lie that you have to, like, once you've hit 30, it's all over.
0: And that's gotta be a lie that's, uh, that's, that's thrown at women a lot too, and more, I would imagine.
2: It is, it is. And that's partly because of what I was saying earlier about so much of it being a, a visual thing for women. Um, but it, yeah. I mean, I've had so many artists who've told me that music industry people have said to them, you know, right in the face, like, oh, you're 29. This is your last chance that you're you're done. And I, it's just so ridiculous to me because I didn't even start my music career really until I was 30, 34. Wow. And I had a ba- you know, I had a two year old. And so it can be done. I mean, it's not going to be the you know, it's not, might not be the music career that you had in mind when you were 18. It's going to look different. It's going to be different venues and a different path, but it can still be a music career.
0: And which I would say is one of the things I love the most about this new music industry, this high tech building your tribe, quality of fans over quantity of fans industry is it allows musicians of, of a diverse attributes to achieve success because you don't need the millions of fans. You just need the thousand fans who really believe in you or and are willing to financially support you. And you don't need to look like the, you know, conventional young strapping musician. You can you know, your your art can shine through a lot more in this business. I truly believe.
2: Oh yeah. I mean and the I mean, truthfully, the bulk of my female musician academy members are thirty-five and above. And I mean, there are some that are actually you know, approaching 70 and they are working like they are, are constantly out there performing. I mean, seven to me, 70 is the new 50. So don't think that if you've, you know, lived a corporate life and you've always been dying to do music, it's been your passion, but it just hasn't worked out for you. Don't think that when you turn 50, you can't Mm -hmm. just go and turn around and do that. Because you can.
0: That's inspiring. Let's talk a little bit about those coaching services now that we got you on this topic. So you are a music business coach and you offer a lot of great educational resources at com. Can you tell the listeners a bit about some of the resources they can find on that website?
2: Sure. So, you know, for female musicians, I offer my comprehensive membership called the Female Musician Academy, where it includes all the courses that I create, plus, you know, the community, the sisterhood and um, group coaching calls we do. And we bring in experts every month on special topics. And, um, you know, we have like a smaller accountability mastermind within there, if you want, you know, really more high touch help but I also have individual courses. So, you know, if you just want to learn about house concerts, you can do the profitable house concerts course. If you just want to, you know, get your goals in order, I have a course for that. If you want to learn Facebook ads for musicians, I have that. So, I I try to offer everything in the way that people want to consume it. And, you know, also it's not I love my membership For women, but that doesn't mean I only serve women. I have lots of courses that are, you know, one-off courses that men can take.
0: Oh, much appreciated. Yes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And, but bless you. And thank you very much for all that you do for uh, female musicians. Uh, Great stuff on your website there. And this has been a treat and you're so knowledgeable and we've benefited so much from your expertise. Before we let you go, Bree, do you have any last tips to share with the indie artists out there? to help them move their careers forward?
2: I think you just need to not wait around for someone else to give you permission to have a music career. That was what got me stuck for so long. I thought that I needed to have, you know, this decision maker say to me, okay, you're ready, or okay, I'm going to give you this in. Like, don't wait for that. You could be waiting forever. You can go out and start a music career tomorrow.
0: Beautiful. Bree, this has been a pleasure. Please don't be a stranger. We'd love to have you on again real soon. Thank you. It's been great. We'll be right back on the Break the Business podcast.
1: Friend of the show, John Ratzenberger here with Ryan Carella, author of Break the Business, declaring your independence and achieving true success in the music industry. Available on Amazon.com. Ryan, tell the folks a little
0: about the book. Well, the book's about empowering Well, artists. that's
1: fascinating, Ryan, but it's only a 15-second commercial. Thanks.
0: Welcome back, everybody. Our thanks to the brilliant Brie Noble for joining us in the previous segment. You can find out more about the Female Musician Academy by visiting femusician.com, and you can find the Women of Substance online platform by going to
1: wosradio.com. Do you think she can like open up a shop like Breeze and Noble? She can't use bn.com, though. That's taken. So what
0: would they sell at Noble.com? Is it like You know, a large repository of cheeses, like in the same way that, you know, Barnes & Noble is a large book repository?
1: Yeah, you can get cheeses, but also, you know, books on uh, female empowerment, sort of uh, industry how-to books, probably the Break the Business book. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah, if there's enough space. Maybe, yeah. Look, And of course, Drew Drew Brees' uh, paraphernalia. She is exceedingly
0: brilliant, and was a great interview. Are you really just going to like make a, a pun out of her name? That's the sum of her brilliance to you. DVDs of the movie Room.
1: Oh, Brie Larson, gotcha. Good stuff. Oh, good.
0: We can play this.
1: Live from the Brown Derby and Hollywood and Vine in sunny and beautiful Hollywood, California, it's Dave's Movie Minute. Come on in while we discuss motion pictures, stars, and all the goings on around town. Star Wars. Oh, right. Of course. Yes. How could you forget?
0: Is it stupid that I thought for a minute, Ooh, I wonder what movie he's going to talk about for Dave's Movie Minute? Of course. D-
1: okay. Of course. D- happening in Orlando, just up the road, and I'm sorry I'm not there, everyone, It's Star Wars Celebration. This the 40th anniversary of Star Wars. Is that right? Yes, yeah, yeah. 1977 to 2017. You learn your arithmetic, Ryan. 40 years! I didn't remember when A New Hope came out. How do you not remember that? It's May 25th, 1977, you jackass. Because it happened eight years before I was born.
0: That is exactly how I sound, yes. a perfect impression yeah. for me.
1: Hey, guys, don't use uh, artist managers, okay? They're really bad.
0: That's not true.
1: You just have to protect yourself oh, and have oh. good contracts. So use artist managers now? Wow, flip-flop, Ryan. Did the dark side get to you, Ryan? Protect yourself. That's all I'm saying. Did Sony give you money, Ryan? No. Did Warners give you money? No. They don't have any money. The industry collapsed. That's true. Did Spotify give you money? Oh, they have money. Are they just streaming? They this? got lots of money. Are they, are, is our podcast available for streaming now? We're probably making much less per stream than we are on the per the download. I this actually go, actually, we're making the same amount. Yeah, exactly. Damn. <laughs> Oh, you interrupted me.
0: Yeah, do you have anything else for Star
1: Wars? Or well, the, the, the trailer for The Last Jedi came out, Ryan.
0: I know. It was
1: Everyone go see it. Do I know how to go see it? Just see. It, it's obvious where it is. I, I feel so unfulfilled that
0: it came out, and now we just have to wait. Eight months.
1: Oh, did you even watch it? Yeah, of course I watched the trailer. It looks pretty it cool. You can't pretty, avoid the looks, trailer. It looks pretty cool. It looks like it's going to take place right as it's going to pick up right where episode seven left off. Cause even like, I think she has like her same costume on. Yeah. On that, uh, on the Island there that, uh, where Luke is. So I noticed this. Oh God, it looks so awesome. The start of the trailer.
0: Okay. The start of the force awakens trailer, John Boyega breathing heavily. The start of the last Jedi trailer, Daisy Ridley breathing heavily. Like, I mean,
1: yeah, real original. In space, everyone can hear you breathe. <laughs> Get it? Like Alien. It's based on you can hear Yeah, speech. yeah, I got you. Oh, I'm sorry, because that was also before you were born. <laughs> you millennial. You selfish millennial. You're also a millennial. It's all about me, man. And what I'm I older knew. than you. I have a month.
0: <laughs> I mean, but yeah, so I'm <clears> saying, <throat> by definition, if I'm a millennial, that makes you a millennial as well. Sorry, yeah,
1: you are part of the entitled participant trophy generation. I don't feel like that, even though I got a participant trophy every single year since 1990. That's true. I'm still getting them. Oh, yeah, me too. My house is filled with them. <laughs> It's like stepping on Legos; they really hurt. It's so weird too, because it's like for nine-year-olds and under to group. Yeah, we're like we're thirty-one, dude, guys. It's like, oh no, you paid the fee back in nineteen ninety. get him for it's lifetime. Yeah, the Continental Kendall Baseball Boys and Girls Club League still wants to get this is yeah, never mind. You don't <laughs> it's even know what it super is. Super inside now. You don't know what it is because you never even
0: played sports as a kid. I certainly didn't play pop or football. I was I'm, my my bones are basically made of also wood. Yeah,
1: because yeah, you were a nerd that stayed inside. Yes, accurate. I played John Madden football. I played NFL quarterback club. Remember that one on Sega Genesis? I do. You're interrupting me on Star Wars. Sorry. Oh, wow. Is it really
0: aggravating when somebody tries to distract you while you're making a point on this show? Yeah, I can see why you'd hate that.
1: That was actually a pretty good burn. (laughs) So anyway, yeah, Star Wars celebrations going on. You know, it looks awesome. The, The trailer, December. I mean, every single year, a new Star Wars. It'll be nice to them. It'll be interesting to see what this the new trailer for whatever a Han Solo trailer comes out for next year for 2019. That's that going to be cool. great. Yes. Oh, also by the way, Rogue One is out on now on Blu Ray and DVD and uh, streaming services. So go ahead and get that. So, do you have any thoughts? Because I've been saving
0: up this to ask you this on the show. Do you have any thoughts with what's going on with Carrie
1: Fisher and her? I don't, that's not, we're not going to talk about this. She she, she okay? Because I'm already starting to like since the headlines are coming about like Episode Nine stuff for her. I don't want to know about that. She filmed all of her stuff before she passed. Yeah. So it's fine for her to be in it. I would never, ever want them to do what they did in Rogue One to, complete, to put her in a, in a role in another movie. But you heard the latest on this, right?
0: Well, because her brother came out and said that she was going to be in Episode 9. They were going to do some of that studio magic stuff. And then the studio came out and said, no, she's not
1: going to be in Episode 9. Y- yeah, we've, uh, yeah thank, thank you for telling everyone kind of what I want to avoid spoilers because now people can uh, bring have sort of uh, ideas of what's going to happen in the next movie you son of a ah, oh, you you horrible horrible monster you have a shirt that says world's okay as musician on I love it. this shirt you got it at what was it Nam or something I got this at Nam two years ago yeah yeah okay Three years ago it should say world's okay as podcast host
0: you think I'm okay at this I'm so that's like the nicest thing you've said to me on this show
1: don't make me... Okay, that was actually emotional and friendly. <laughs> you
0: know, that's the closest thing you've approached to a compliment uh, on the two years we've done this. You usually say I'm a dumpster fire as a podcast host. This in, is... in, other,
1: in other movie news, yeah. uh, Star Wars Land. Oh, there's a Star Wars Land. Okay. Yes, opening in 2019. Is this a Disney? Of course, it's a Disney. No, no d- yes. dumbass.
0: It's at Universal, the one that doesn't
1: own the Star Wars property. Yeah, they paid $8 billion to open up a ride. Yeah. <laughs> No, Disney—they're recouping on their four billion dollar investment. Yeah, gotta give them props. Well, how does no that's for?
0: No, believe me, nobody knows how to milk something like Disney. Well, how's this going to work? Is it is it going to be its own park? Is it still going to be a park within a no, park? No, it's
1: in Disney Hollywood Studios, and okay. it's going to be I think in the Disney California Adventure, I believe, in um, out in Disneyland, um, and it's going to be a whole Star Wars area. And there are some reports. That it's going to be like its own unique original thing. It's not going to be like a location from a movie-specific planet. And uh, here's a, there's an official Disney Park blog. Put it, okay. The remote village was once a busy crossroads along the old the sub-light, sublight speed trade routes. But the prominence of the outpost has been bypassed by the rise of hyperspace travel. Now home to those who prefer less attention. It has become a thriving port for smugglers, rogue traders, and adventurers traveling between the frontier and uncharted space. It's also a convenient safe haven for others intent on avoiding the expanding reach of the First Order.
0: How much did we have to pay Jeremy Irons to do that for us?
1: <laughs> a, the remote village was once a busy crossroads along the old <laughs> sublight speed trade routes. The First Order.
0: I know that your powers of retention.
1: <laughs> Which of that? One, what's that one? Hair is wet. Doesn't, I
0: can't sing any more of it. Disney will sue us. That's uh be Prepared from Lion King?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Really? The a whole only, movie based on lions? That sounds dubious at best. The
0: only Disney property apparently you care about is Star Wars. Yeah. So were you actually trying to channel Jeremy Irons there? No, I was just, just doing a generic... Because uh, 19th... it sounded just like it.
1: I, I, I doubt that very much. Okay, I'm... Oh, all right. But from that, I'm intrigued. That sounds really fun. Yes. So it's a whole new place. It's going to have full-size... Like full scale adats. Really? Yeah, Imperial Walkers, bro. Yes. You'll be able to fly the Millennium Falcon. Okay. And like legit though, you're gonna fly it, and it's gonna record how well you do it. And if you suck, other areas of the of the park are gonna know about it. It's gonna follow you that you sucked piling the Millennium Falcon. I don't think you're actually piling the Millennium Falcon.
0: What? I assume it's some kind of simulator. That would be very expensive. And the line would be very long
1: unless they had many Millennium Falcons so that... And I'm going to give you a secret, buddy. Yeah. Once I get on that thing, I'm not bringing it back. I'm not coming back. Screw that. I'm going to dock again in Orlando. <laughs> You're unlikely. Taking
0: that right to hyper speed, hyperspace speed. What do they call it on Star Wars? They call it warp speed on Star Trek. I don't know what they call it on Star Wars. Ludicrous speed?
1: No, that's baseballs. <laughs> Hyperspace, hyperspace, light speed, light speed, yeah. make light the jump, speed. make the jump to light speed, there and you're traveling go. through hyperspace. Yeah, I'll blast the Enterprise out of the stars. I'm, I'm
0: imagining that this Millennium Falcon thing is just gonna be like a little stand oh, that you, screw that, you, that, you bro. that you sit in, and I, I'm gonna see a thirty-three-year-old metal Dave just standing at it, going, <clears throat> where there's like little six-year-olds like waiting. Mommy, when's he gonna be done? He's never gonna be done, dear. He's been here eleven hours. That's what my wife's gonna say.
1: Anyway. <laughs> At that point, at that um, point, no. But it's funny you bring that up because there is a picture of me on the uh, scouts uh, speeder bike at uh, right across from Star Tours, yeah, um, <clears throat> in uh, or in Orlando into Hollywood Studios. And uh, I noticed when I got on it to post the picture, I'm like oh, this actually kind of seems a little small. <laughs> like you know, it's for adults, but then like it's not totally. <laughs> and to be fair, the person in front of me taking a picture was a kid. And then
0: the the, one and the 11 kids in line after him were
1: kids. Hmm. (laughs) Starting to think of things and realizing stuff. Anyway. (laughs) Julie Andrews! Oh, yes!
0: Julie I, don't, Andrews. I don't know what this is about. I just see Julie Andrews on the board, and I'm very intrigued. Cause... Oh, I,
1: I just wanted to bring this up because I actually think it's pretty damn cool and yeah. uh, topical. Um, I didn't realize this, but I saw uh, on Variety, then I checked Netflix. So uh, on Netflix, Julie Andrews has a brand new sort of pre uh, preschool like kids show called Julie's Green Room, all about arts education, completely within like a theater. It's with the Henson people, so they have like Henson made up a whole bunch of new like Muppets or uh, puppets for like kids, like kid puppets. And the whole thing is they're learning about the theater, about singing, dancing, writing songs, writing songs like lyrically with melody, uh, improv, stagecraft, um, acting with a whole bunch of guests, including Indina Manziel, Alec Baldwin, Ellie Kemper, Josh Groban. Um, I, oh, this, this ballet couple, I can't remember their name. I'm so sorry. They're probably like big in the New York scene. Um, but it's all about sort of a teaching arts education Two kids, that's so basically true. like in it's something that should be on PBS, but since PBS will no longer exist, that's true yeah. <laughs> it's on Netflix, which means it's on Netflix and is not uh, subject to the whims of uh, politicians that hate education for kids
0: that's a really cool idea I mean not not the destruction of public television that's an abhorrent idea, but oh, so
1: so you like educating kids,
0: oh uh, yeah, I tend to lean on that side of it, yeah,
1: okay, you're gonna take the. The, the really weird position. The controversial position. I'm pro-enriching the lives of young children.
0: Yeah. No, I but I, I think this Julie Andrews show is a great idea. First of all, feel bad. I did not know that Julie Andrews was still with us, but glad that she is. That's, that's a little
1: weird on that's, your part.
0: That's, well, I mean, I feel like Julie Andrews is one of those people that's been old for as long as I've been alive. Uh-huh. And so, you know, she, she's, she's been like 85 years old since I was two, and you know, somehow she's still with us, which again is fantastic. And this concept is fantastic. And I like the idea that we're, you know, that we have all these big Hollywood stars that are going to be educating a generation of children in the arts. And I really hope that the show kind of does things to allow, you know, maybe giving, you know, maybe teachers who don't have Netflix accounts, give them license to this content so that they can show it in classroom, because I think it'd be a great thing for kids in the classroom to watch. Yeah.
1: Maybe this is going to be half the new generation of, um, sort of programming for kids yeah you know god's gonna be the sort of the corporation of public broadcasting that you and me grew up on and like sesame street and all those shows that you like when you're a kid you watch reading rainbow man. now read, love reading rainbow reading. now it's gonna i mean it, it it got on netflix though right didn't it reading rainbow yeah there was a new one too Yeah, so, so maybe they're they're ahead of this yeah. because you know you can't spend money folks on kids education yeah, god forbid because they're not the future like, literally, they'll I mean, never grow up. I mean, they might be, but we're the right now, and, you know, like let them figure it out, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we got a war to uh, figure out with North Korea. <laughs> hey, oh. no, this legitimately might be the last episode. Oh, <laughs> God. Hey, at least we had donuts. We did. I mean, poison donuts. That's true. No. That was a very, uh, that was an intense episode. Man, that, it, it, the, just, that, that whole
0: episode was fun and intense, and you just ended it on such a sad, depressing note.
1: By, by the way, yeah, we really got to get you to a hospital. Why would happen? Oh, um, you had a nightmare, I think, and you just hit yourself over and over again with a, 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 an object here. Oh. Surprised you didn't notice the, the blood stained lamp. Oh,
0: that would explain the throbbing pain I had. But I mean, well, I'm glad that whatever it is like isn't having any after effects, and that I'm going to be able to finish the show. With...
1: <laughs> <laughs> well. I guess that plan finally came to fruition. Nothing going on. Oh, oh, God damn it.